that time forgot podcast with Ashling Hurleyamp, Neve Quinn. Okay. So we've been on a sabbatical for a couple of weeks. Um, so this was due mainly because we had a sudden death in my family and I just didn't feel like um, doing a podcast or trying to be cheerful or trying to cheer other people up. So um, my depression would have depressed everybody else. So um, we broke our own rules and uh, skipped a couple of weeks and didn't do a podcast. Um, so I thought it was just better to take a break, deal with what happened and then come back and hopefully we're back on form this week. Mm. Definitely the right decision to take because when you're passionate about something or, you know, when you're um, talking about other people or their life stories, um, you don't want you know what's going on in your own life to be. Yeah, bring everybody else down, bring yeah. down the vibe. <laughs> so you just can't wait till the muse comes back in to the... Yeah, like it's a hard decision to make, but I think it was the right one because anyway, we're all feeling uh, much better. Uh, so on a good note, we only had two snowfalls the last couple of weeks um, and it was great because it only came for a couple of hours. So we got to enjoy it, just watch it and then it kind of slipped away. Um, but there was one heavy snowfall and we had snow falling off the roof and it made such a huge like booming noise. Even the dogs were scared. So I actually for a minute thought, is it an avalanche or what would happen? It, mm. You know, it was so loud. It must be awful. Actually, did you know you can get um, or go on avalanche courses? So no. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's be a new thing in Ireland. Um, we'll be getting more like avalanches, so you'll be trained if you want to go. Yeah, I think the way the weather's going, uh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, well, there is an organization called Avalanche.org, which is a team up between the American Avalanche Association and the U.S. Forest Service National Avalanche Center. They have loads of info online because avalanches kill between 25 to 30 people each year in the U.S. God, I'm bringing the vibe down again, but this stuff happens. I suppose we don't appreciate how lucky we are really in Ireland. The weather is so mild. Yeah, and, you know, we, we don't get the worst of anything. Yeah. yeah, we give out about stuff, but really we've nothing to give out about. Um, so anyway, it went from the snow and then we had like lots of rain over the last couple of weeks as well and at one stage the rain was so bad I thought we'd need to build an arc but um anyway we made it through all the weird weather thank god back to the podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) so anyway um what else do we do yes we did go and do a spa day Mm. in the Monart which is a spa fabulous yeah yeah well I didn't know where I was going actually um with the sat nav because I went everywhere but I eventually figured out we were near an escorty down in County Wexford Mm. great way to unwind from all the stress yeah when you you find the gate because it's nice and secret and secluded yeah so in the one way that's good uh but as I said, the other side of it, you don't know where you are half the time. But the food was gorgeous, wasn't it? Really healthy and tasty. Yeah. So, like, you could eat it and not feel guilty. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and staff were lovely. Um, so the only problem, really, we had, we both have bad backs, probably from being hunched over laptops half our lives. Yeah. Um, so we, we wanted to go do, they have this really cool infrared treatment. Um but that was very busy, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Right. You needed traffic lights to get in and out. It was crammed the whole time. And you get these allo- allocated 20 minutes. 
Um, so the problem is you're sitting in, you're relaxing, the heat is starting to work on your back. The next thing, someone opens the door and a blast of cold air will come in or yeah. you can hear them outside going, is there a seat free? <laughs> um, so that was kind of ruining the buzz a little. Yeah. So definitely a light system outside would help. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, that roundabout in Paris, the Arc de Triomphe roundabout, where it's like loads of traffic going around, you don't know which way to turn, it's just so hard. There was actually a queue to get into this thing. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was called, but um, it was really good. But I mean, we had to go back about four times to try to get into it, so maybe they need to build a bigger one. And the other thing we noticed, um, I mean, it was a gorgeous place to go and, and detox or whatever, but you're drinking a lot of water. So, of course, you spend a lot of time going in and out to the loo, but the loo was miles away from the treatment room. So you had to walk all the way back to the changing rooms. But I suppose the plus side of that was we got our daily steps in. Yeah. Also, just on a small note, um, Monarch, <laughs> if you are listening, um, in the chillax room, um, it was lovely. You could go in and lie down, read the papers, read the magazines, have lovely herbal tea. That was, there was loads of fruit. Yeah. yeah. But then there was total silence. So um, <laughs> every move you made, you felt everyone could hear it. When you bit into the apple, oh my God, it was like a booming <laughs> sound and you thought everyone could hear you chewing every bite. So maybe a little meditation music would be nice. Yeah, you just don't feel so conscious. Yeah. You, you are trying to relax, but you're getting stressed out trying to relax. Because yeah, you're afraid to move. Yeah, yeah. People can or move. eat an apple. Yeah. And then there was a person there and they had um, a black pla- or a white plastic bag. I don't know what they had in the plastic bag. I was dying to know. The, the bottle of yeah. the milk in the 7-Up <laughs> bottle and the hang sandwiches. Yeah, the hang sandwiches. Um, but it kept rustling. So you were like... What is yeah. <laughs> I can't relax because all this noise. But anyway, it was it was lovely, but they definitely need to do something there. And the cattle truck, do you remember that? Yeah. Or the sheep dip. Um so I don't know, this was a strange thing. They have a fabulous uh, like foot spa in the middle of it where you can sit and relax and stick your feet in it or whatever. Yeah. But then right behind that they have this bar and, it was um, literally the width of your body. Yeah. <laughs> um that you would see the likes of sheep dipping. Yeah, the, the, the it sheep was a sheep dip. Yeah, and you go down and you walk. The foot um, spa thing was in a curve, so you walk around the curve of that in this near enough cattle trough. Um, so it was a little strange. Yeah, wherever they got that. I know it was from. freezing. So we yes. chickened out of that because, well, I know you're meant to do the whole hot cold thing, but um, I've never been hot. Do you know what it was like? You know when you go when you go to the swimming pool and you have to go into that yeah. and you really don't want to go into so it. It's cold. like um, yeah. that little basin of water. Disinfectant. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, okay. So, yeah, that was our couple of weeks. So, also, we need to do a quick shout out to Sharon Fitzmaurice in Galway, um, who's been really supportive of us on social media. She's just, thank you so much. Thank you, um, Yeah, she's a great Reiki practitioner and mindfulness coach, and she's based over in Galway on the west coast of Ireland. And she's an amazing following over there, really, um, really great lady. Uh, so, hello, Sharon. Thanks for all the support. Shaza! What's yeah. up? <laughs> Um, anyway, this is the People of the Time Forgot podcast. Yep. I'm Neve, and that's Ashleen. Hello. And the podcast doc- documents people that were written out of history, just forgotten, or lost in the midst of time. So who are we doing this week? Uh, Emmy Hennings. So really interesting lady um, who pushed the art scene into new directions. So she was a Dadaist, a pioneer, and a writer, uh, born in 1885 and died in 1948. 
um, she was a vulnerable artist, uh, but really gorgeous lady and seems to have been really charismatic. Had droves of men wrapped around her little finger. The poet Eric um, Musam, did I pronounce that right? I think Musam. Musam, yeah. yeah. Called her an erotic genius. Um, for Herman Hess, she was a fairy tale bird and a little angel. And her partner, Hugo Ball, um, was very fond of her singing and actually asked her on occasion, was she aware of the sheer power of her singing voice? So really, really seems to be a super character. Mm. That Semi was able to radiate such magic is remarkable because her life was plagued by material and psychological hardship, displacement, drugs, prostitution, illness and prison. What a life. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she took loads of risks, um, agitating for revolution, and she forged documents for draft dodgers. That's why she received a prison sentence. Um, And in February of 1915, she was arrested for her involvement in the forging of a passport in order to help a friend evade military service. So I was going to say brave lady, but maybe that's not the right thing to say either, because you don't want to be encouraging people to forge passports. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose she was trying to help. Like, um, what do they say? Man fix, man's the fixer and woman's the nurturer. Like, they always yeah. want to help and nurture and make sure everyone's okay, whatever they need to do. Yeah, and she's probably pacifist. They felt like, we need to do something to help this person or whatever. Um, so she had all these disadvantages throughout her life, as you'll hear. Um, but the power of her poetry and her charismatic presence on stage really outshone all the misery and deprivation that she had to go through. Yeah. Yeah. She's like many women. Um, I Hemings was associated with her husband, Hugo Ball. Yeah. And there's a cool movie actually called um, Vice. It's actually was out at the moment. Oh. It was won a few, Netflix? several awards. No. No, not yet, because it was, still, it was still like up for the man. Oscars and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about Dick Cheney, played by Kristen Bale, and his wife, Lynn Cheney, played by Amy Adams. And um, they were saying that when you see in the movie that... Actually, Lynn was the backbone of Dick, but Dick was obviously the, the man. Vice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so similar thing. Yeah, yeah it still happens today, doesn't it? Um, although thankfully it's changing. Um, and interesting, just trying to do research on this. Hugo Ball is so prolific that it's actually very difficult to get information on Emmy, but um, we persevered, found as much as we could because her story is so amazing, and she was such a huge influence uh, in the Dadist era. Um, so Ball himself was a German author, poet, and was one of the founders of the Dada movement in European art in Zurich in 1916. And he was also a pioneer in the development of sound poetry. So, you know, interesting guy. Mm. So all this, um, the era that we're talking about is around World War One, and um, Switzerland was a neutral country. So this led to many refugees traveling there. Um, and amongst them were lots of artists, including people like Emmy. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about Dadism, you can check out the website www.dada-companion.com Hemmings. One thing about um, the Dada, which is an extreme or an early form of shock art, born from the negative reaction to the horrors of the First World War. And the word allegedly chosen when Richard Husselbeck stabbed a knife in a dictionary. Dada is the French word for hobby horse. Oh, mm. cool. Life in a Dictionary. Love it. Yeah. That's kind of interesting art, isn't it? Very, because it was, what they said, it was like nonsensical art. It was just, like yeah, it was, yeah. again, the shock art, whatever they felt. Shock art is a good word for it, actually, yeah. isn't it? 
imagine. Well, I wonder what the controversy. reaction would be now. It's kind of like, uh, well, it's like Damien Tracy Hurst Evans' now. bed. Yeah, yeah. Damien Hurst and stuff. It's just shock art. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? This mm. is the start of all that. So that's actually a great site uh, Neve mentioned there. So anyway, they all travelled to um, Switzerland um, and, of course, had to sell many of their possessions to make it over there. Um, so Ball is reported as saying, back then, Zurich was the most international city imaginable. You heard every language spoken on the shores of Lake Zurich. But we were also quite envious of the gulls and swans that were fed by passers-by. I hesitate to admit how um, we stilled our hunger. So they must have been starving mm. after selling all their possessions to get over there. Um, so Zurich at the time is a real hodgepodge, like just pacifists, revolutionaries, all sorts of people in this one zone. People like James Joyce were there. Um, actually, in his book, Ulysses, he mentions um, Switzerland and um, talks about this kind of stuff. So along with being a leading Dada artist, is it Dada or Dada? I never know. Dada. 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 Um, Hugo Ball was also a co-founder of the Café Voltaire in Zurich, along with Emmy. Um, so this was a cabaret that was run by artists and the performances were really unusual for the time because they included uh, the spoken word, dance and music performances. So the Café Voltaire was a cabaret for artistic and political purposes, um, I suppose, to make a statement about mm. the war and things that were happening at the time. Well, it's like fringe now, you know. It's Yeah, yeah. Um, so this, they started this cafe because they were both bored with contemporary theatre. So it's like our feck it, just do it mm. motto here. Um, and then on the opening night, painters like Marcel Janko, uh, poets like Tristan Sarah and various vaudeville artists gathered on the stage and the house was packed to the rafters. It was an immediate uh, success. Mm. Yeah. So the audience was treated to simultaneously, can you imagine this, mm. poetry, sound poems, drum rolls, bizarre costumes and endless madness. So this was the birth of Dadaism or the electric picnic. Mm. Or Glastonbury probably is where a lot of this yeah. stuff come from. Um, and actually, funny enough, Vladimir Lenin had a room that was only 100 yards from the cafe in 1916. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all sorts of people there. Great crack. Yeah, can you imagine? Mm. Take us there. Where's that time machine? <laughs> yeah. Dadism was a movement composed of artists, writers and intellectuals from the farthest reaches of the continent, dedicated to reclaiming language from those who abused its power from propaganda and to reclaim art from a society which had abandoned all reason. They floated conventional aesthetics and cultural values. I'm just thinking um, there, you know, you have all these amazing people in the one area and they're all about uh, taking, you know, control of propaganda and I suppose getting their message out there you'd kind of wonder how the second world war happened so quickly then wouldn't you yeah but I'd say it was probably again a small minority you know yeah trying to make change. yeah and yeah. we know how that can be hard to do this. yeah the usual yeah <laughs> um so actually data would become one of the most successful Swiss exports of all time um, it engendered the avant-garde and would later galvanise and inspire art movements such as surrealism, pop art and punk. So we can thank um, Dadism for... Pop art, I love it. Yeah. Lichtenstein. Yeah, Vivian Westwood. Mm. Um, 
just Sandra Dali. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. God, so love cool. this stuff. Yeah. So There's a cool documentary in Sky Arts about him where he took over. I can't remember which hotel in Paris. And actually, like, he used to just go out into Paris um, and start picking up people. So he'd come back, you know, I have a suite. Yeah. And they used to bring horses, goats, and Fab. they used to all just head back out in an evening and party on down till the morning. It's incredible, isn't yeah. it? Um, I got to see one of his exhibitions, actually. God, I was maybe 19 at the time, so a long time ago, but... I've never forgotten it. It was in mm. Belgium. Back and, in black and white, was it? Yeah, it was back in black and white. Or my kids say, were you alive in the 1830s? Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Sometimes I'd be like I was. But I got a fabulous poster there of one of his paintings, um, unfinished uh, stereoscope, where he's right. painting gala. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's hanging in the kitchen. Look at it every day. Um, anyway, she, uh, yeah, spiritual yeah. as well. So according to her contemporaries, Emmy was very spiritual and her spirituality was most apparent in her general manner of interacting with the word and the being she presented in her art. She was often referred to as a mystic by her peers. Yeah, she had a really cool outlook on life because she seems to have believed that her life on earth was not just a reflection or a step towards her infinite spiritual life, but that it was all the same. And I just love these words from her. God and spiritual connections to God were to be found in the everyday world so long as one is capable of seeing it. It's just lovely expression, isn't it? But it's great, like, when they were in that time of the war, you know, those kind of... Yeah. yeah it must have been, hard, you know, those dark yeah. darkness. Hard those, to keep yeah. the faith, you yeah. know, like, literally. Hard to stay positive and stay going. So Emmy Hemings is an instigator of performance art. Decades before the phrase performance art was coined... She was electrifying audience with her mix of art, literature and theatre. She read her own poetry and poetry, poetry of others and danced and sang. She, she was... Yeah, multi-talented. High, yeah, yeah. high in life. Yeah, she's probably a bit like us doing everything. Yeah. Uh, to make a shilling. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ball is recorded as saying that she was very successful and that the French absolutely loved her. Um, he said in a letter that he wrote to his sister, Emmy has had the greatest success. They translate her verses for Bucharest. The French are kissing her hand and they love her beyond words, which is great. Yeah. In fairness, that he recognised how talented she was. Um, so through her recitations and dances on stage, she destroyed the stereotype of the passive female performer. So she must have been like way out there. Mm. Uh, she sharply criticised the First World War, very brave, and created an unsettling atmosphere through eccentric makeup and unpredictable sudden screams in the middle of her performances. I was thinking there, she's probably very like Kate Bush. Um, on stage yeah. you know, that kind of wild madness and he really getting into it yeah yeah um i love this she frequently created cardboard costumes so you don't have to spend a fortune if you want to make art yeah in order to be converted into a genderless animated collage i just think that's really such a cool thing isn't yes it? i mean well, like, she was so creative yeah 100 years ago and she's doing all this mad yeah. stuff absolutely brilliant However, as usual, when you do something you love, it doesn't translate into financial success. Mm. She had to sell handbound booklets of her work during the show interviews. God, not much change for artists then. No. Despite the fact that she wrote on and took an interest in politics and social criticism, when reading accounts by her male counterpart, counterpart, uh, Contemporaries, Contemporaries, she represented for many What's the, the furthest thing from worldly <laughs> concerned. Say what you see. Yeah. Mysticism and holy <laughs> fairy tales. She was the embodiment of childlike nativity and purity. Oh. Naivety, sorry, again, say what you see. Yeah. 
but like she's all this amazing spirituality um artistic thing going on and yet ball relied on her still as well to manage the day-to-day finances of the cabaret and the gallery data um so as we were saying the reason all this change came about at this particular time and this really exciting new form of art uh, came about was because the years prior to first world war were really unstable culturally economically and politically um so during this uh, historic period social rules and roles were undergoing significant and fundamental changes um so we had new freedoms and possibilities but still there were old laws and dispositions and in the winter semester of 1899 or 1900, women were allowed for the first time to study at German universities. Yeah, so we were talking about, oh yeah, women being allowed into Germany, okay. So the Verein Gazettes uh, of 1851, this was an English Dissociation Act, actually had forbidden the involvement of women in politics membership in political societies, um, their attendance at public events in which political topics were being discussed. That act was only repealed in 1908, like it's only just over 100 years ago. And even worse at the time, um, a common saying in Germany was that the life of a woman revolved around Kinder, Kukia and Kirke, which is children, kitchen and church. I mean, God almighty, we've come so far really in 100 years, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here running a business voting they're just looking at that kinder obviously means children children's egg kinder egg children's egg yeah yeah must be a true german brand Mm. this is such a male oriented time Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah tomato tomato women Mm. seem still seem on somewhat subservient Mm. For a, men, for a number of years, Emmy worked as a model and sex worker, having been arrested for street walking a number of times from 1911 to 1915. Like, it's terrible, isn't it? This really great artist had to resort to doing this kind of stuff. It's yeah. just terrible. Um, and in Zurich, she was even referred to in Vice Squad Files as a prostitute um, with Hugo Ball as her pimp. Can you imagine? Yeah. So she also had drug addiction issues, and I love this. I feel like she's just one of those girls that just gets on with it. She's like, I've been addicted to ether for some time, and I'm really going to the dogs. <laughs> it's just such a, you know, cool, well, it's not a cool thing, but just the way she says it, it's like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I'll get over it. Um, and she also wrote in one of her letters, I'm in a state of eternal agitation, spiritually, of course, not sexually, which perhaps would be better. So she definitely was a free spirit yeah. way ahead of her time. Yeah. The fact that one of her former lovers wrote, the poor girl, girl gets too little sleep. Everyone wants to sleep with her. And since she is so accommodating, she never gets any rest. Proves the whole attitude to women as being subservient. Yeah, it's disgusting. Again, the nurturer. Keep them happy. Yeah. I mean, God, you know, oh, poor, poor lady. Um, so it's no wonder really she became disenchanted with Dadaism and left Zurich eventually and married Ball. Uh, interestingly, she converted to Catholicism and put all her passion into that. So she totally denounced her past and in later years wouldn't really talk about it at all. She became a poet and an author and an editor and publisher of her husband's work. So again, she's all about him and trying to look after his work. Yeah. Many of her poems explore the theme of separation of mental life and physical body 
But when seen through a spiritual lens, it becomes clear that these examinations are actually of spiritual release from the physical body rather than release from mental activity. Gosh, so far ahead of her time. And it's interesting. It reminds me of the Yeats and Maud Gahan story and all the spiritual and mysticism that mm. they were into. It's kind of all the same area, yeah. isn't it? Um, Again, I'm sure the drugs... <laughs> Yeah, drugs probably helps. The drugs don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do drugs. Um, So her poem Dancer reveals her complex relationship with death. And in that poem, she says that her constant closeness to death, so sad, keeps me from my many sins and gives her a reason to live life to its fullest, to seek kisses and to dance until she's out of breath. I think that's something we could all learn from. And um, live every day. yeah. Yeah, sad if death is constantly on your mind. So she went on to write several books, which established her fame as a writer. Interestingly, I think some of those um, have yet to be translated or seem to be only available in German from what I could find out. Uh, so her first two books, Prison in 1919 and Stigma in 1920, were based on her own painful experiences as a prison inmate and sex worker. So mm. an interesting historical document. Yeah. It's so sad because Emmy and Ball married in 1920 after a, sh- a few short Happy years in TC. TC He died of stomach cancer at age 41. So Emmy young. survived him by more than 20 years, but she continued to struggle financially, having to work as a laundry woman and a factory worker and to sublet rooms to make ends meet. The co-founders of Dada movement are buried together in Jeltilno by Lake Lugano. Yeah. So sad, isn't yeah. it? I mean, God, being such a hugely influential character the founder of the Café Voltaire, and you end up being a laundry woman. And it's like years later, people are recognising you. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's like you die to become famous, you know. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I think that's why, you know, she's a great one to do and we want to make sure everybody knows about her and all the great work that she did, um, you know, and that you can still buy her books or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I suppose on a good note, Dada continued to inspire people for decades and the student movement of 1968 drew energy from Dadaism, as did the urban revolt in Zurich in the 1980s. The Kunsthaus Zurich houses the world's largest data collection. And the Cabaret Voltaire reopened in 2004. In 2016, the 100th anniversary of its founding, um, there was lots of radio and TV stations all published lots of interesting stuff and coverage about it. Yeah, um, yeah it's great tributes to it. So their artistic heritage lives on, especially in Zurich, and you can go see quite a lot about them. Mm. So sure, yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, sorry. Go. Um. So it's great, at least. Yeah, you know, if you go to Zurich, but if you can't get to Zurich, at least you've learned a bit (laughs) about her. (laughs) We can't all get to Zurich. Flights leaving at ten a.m. in the morning. Yeah, so expensive first class. Um, so that's Amy Hennings, and we hope you enjoyed the story and um, try to find out a bit more about her. So ta-ta for now, hashtag TTFM. And fake it, just do it, hashtag FJDI. Bye. Bye. The People That Time Forgot podcast with Ashling Hurley Amp, Neve Quinn.